0: Welcome to Pickle Me This, the officially unofficial podcast for Rick and Morty on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm Aaron. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today we're covering season four, episode three One Crew Over the Crew Coo's Morty. Here's Aaron with the recap. <laughs>
1: Rick and Morty raid a tomb that's already been raided by renowned heistman Miles Knightley. Rick challenges the master thief to a heist-off, requiring assembling a team, a series of twist turns, surprise reveals, and inevitable betrayals. But as is typical, Rick saves the worst betrayal for Morty, dashing his hopes for selling a heist pilot to Netflix in the most subtle way possible.
2: Housekeeping.
1: Our annual holiday-type shenanigans start next week. Be on the lookout for a little trailer we've cooked up over on Bald Move TV, Alexis and Cecily are covering His Dark Materials, a.k.a. that one HBO show where the scary lady has a monkey that's constructed entirely out of deep shame and red fur. Also, we talked The Mandalorian and Rick and Morty with Gustavo Sarola from Rooster Teeth. Check that out. Over on Bald Movies, in case you missed it, we saw A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood last week, the quasi-Mr. Rogers biopic that had us wondering if you could found a secular religion around the life of Fred Rogers. The answer is almost certainly, and that he would hate it. Pretty good argument against doing it, I guess. If you've enjoyed my occasional political tangents here on Bald Move, or maybe especially if you haven't, you might try listening to my new podcast on the Swizzbold Network, Three Right Turns. This week's episode is entitled Star Trek Republican, and I mean, that title doesn't intrigue you. I, I don't know. I, I I also make jet noises with my mouth, so check that out. If any of these sound good, you can find out more information on baldmove.com to subscribe or search for the show name wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, Jim, season four, episode three one crew over the crew who's Morty. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? This is a weird one for me. I, I don't know that I like this
0: episode very much because uh-huh. uh, I think it has a couple things not going for it here uh one is it starts off a little weird it's different than a traditional rick and morty episode like the beginning of a rick and morty episode is traditionally just the family sitting around or them in the garage and they're Mm -hmm. like setting up all the a b potentially even c plots this is a single plot episode so none of that is required and so we just kind of jump into the action i know there are other episodes where we do that something felt slightly off about it to me uh in this episode and also I think this engages in a little bit of Poe's law kind of kind of oh. thing, where like they explain Poe's Law as a concept, so Poe's law is basically saying that like at some point a parody of something is indistinguishable from the thing itself, yeah, um because it goes too far with it, and yeah. I think this this episode is in danger of doing that with a heist movie, like it gets so twisty and so weird and so like out of nowhere, oh, how did I not see that coming? Oh, because you couldn't have seen that coming. And and they're parodying those heist movies, but at some point it becomes the thing that it's parodying, and I I don't know that I like that.
1: Yeah, to me, uh, this what saves it is what frequently saves things when when Dan Harmon's writing the plot, which is adding another twist to it, like the fact that... um, there's a little bit of the whopper from war games thrown in right. where like, right. what's he doing? He's learning. And the fact that it is, you know, that subverts it just enough for being, cause, cause I honestly don't know. I mean, this is a very, like I've said, there's, there's a couple of Rick and Morty's that sound very workshopped on harmondown mm. And like, you know, Dan seems like he hates this type of movie. The now you see me, now yeah. you see me too, mm-hmm. or, or wait now you see what is it now you see me now you see me too which he's like rages like how in the world did they not call that now you don't Uh uh-huh like should be now you see me now you don't like what the fuck everyone should be fired on that project he he like talks about this and stuff and his hatred of it but Clearly, some persons on the writing room love this enough to know exactly how to skewer it, or maybe Dan hates it so much that he knows exactly how I mean to I it. think you have to be familiar with something to really hate it, yeah, so yeah but but like I think that this is like there's something to this like form of like almost lazy writing where people say it's so fucking brilliant, but the as it kind of deconstructs at the end, it's essentially the writing form of like playing chess with yourself, but they mean like, no you, no know you, no know yeah. you like. And I, I I don't know I thought that was pretty funny and also what this had going for it is Trucula saying you son of a bitch I'm in uh-huh. like in like a pitch perfect kind of Martin Landau as Bella Lugosi from Ed Wood kind of tra- I that 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 shit uh, had me rolling the whole I I because I'm the opposite of Dan I guess I love heist movies and I especially love this, the the uh, the the team building part of it sure that was only the, the only good thing in like oceans eight is mm. the the team forming um i i so i i like i liked it um and there was a lot of solid goofs based on you know indiana jones stuff like the whole anti booby suit uh-huh. i thought was was really fucking funny how like dispirited and completely matter of fact they were about their tomb raiding Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot, and I continue to be delighted by like Dan Harmon's doing like four or five voices an episode now. Oh yeah, uh, I don't know if uh, uh, Justin's like, look, man, uh, if we're gonna keep splitting things fifty fifty, we're gonna have to start <laughs> splitting the voice roles because I don't know if you've looked at the credits. It's usually me a lot, but <laughs> I'm I'm digging him doing doing all these different lines. Yeah, uh, there's
0: also the the there's an interesting concept in here that I don't think you can even answer. Uh, in a 22 minute comedy. Oh boy. Um, but it's sort of the idea of like, you know, the old uh, question could God create a boulder so big he couldn't move it? <laughs> and I feel like there's a bit of like, could Rick make a being so smart he couldn't outsmart it mm. in this episode? But that's only an interesting question if it has no answer. And by the end of a 22 minute episode, you have to answer that question. Mm hmm one way or another, and mm-hmm. so the question almost becomes pointless by the very nature of asking and
1: answering the question, right? I, but isn't there something of that, like, kind of built into the premise, like the idea that, like, it's not that this guy's smarter than me; it's just literally this is the exercise he's engaging in, and mm-hmm. it's in- infinitely recursive, and I just have to wait for this robot. It's 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 the whopper going through all the different simulations for how to defeat Russia in nuclear war and realizing that. The only way to do it's not to write it, and yeah, well, they hint at that that question. They I don't yeah. think
0: they actually follow that avenue all the way down. Because, uh-huh. like I said, I don't know that you can, but but yeah, that's in there too. Which I actually liked that part of the episode. Yeah, he's battling against this bot.
1: I also thought that is a subtle. It's it's a really good twist to put at the very end. The fact that Rick is doing all this as like yeah. one last heist, where his heist is. The theft of Morty's ambition and dreams mm-hmm. and um, involvement in his hij- plot, the hijacking of his very thought process. Like, yeah,
2: yeah, because you...
1: like you know, we and this is an interesting thing that like we're seeing that Rick has agreed to live under these new family restrictions, Mm -hmm. but he's got his ways of, of of violating the spirit without the letter. Like he attends family breakfasts, but he has written a routine to where he doesn't have to actually engage with it. Uh, he plays lip service to respecting Morty's, uh, you know, decision-making process, but he undermines it at every turn. Mm -hmm. Um, is that going to be the kind of thing that drives the plot forward in season four is the fact that Rick is finding ways to, to, to regain or, or, Keep his autonomy with Rick and or with Morty, with all these restrictions that Beth's got on place in place.
0: Yeah, I think so. And then the question becomes: How long will it take Beth to catch on, and what she'll will she do once she does? Because uh, she's very smart
1: too, I think. But what is clone Beth smart enough? Like, or is she programmed to? <laughs> I don't not know. Question Rick's base or motivations. So like, it's a good question. Is she clone Beth? I she's know. she's programmed with a more of a letter of the law than spear of the law kind yeah. of interpretation of legalese. I don't know. We'll see. I I did find myself like, you know, I talked about Pose Law here a little bit
0: and like how this goes overboard with the reveals at some point Mm -hmm. um, and the the twists. But then, like you said about, uh, you know, Rick taking over, hijacking Morty's thought making or decision making process. Mm -hmm. I found myself settling back into the episode of the end when they did that. And I thought, okay, well, that's actually clever. That's fun. Uh, It was kind of just in the middle where it it didn't work for me Mm -hmm. when it, it just really starts going at a fever pitch with these. No, you are. No, I am. No, yeah, you are. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: No, I, I see. I, I,
0: but it's, so, I, so I think I like this episode more than I dislike it. Yeah, but, but that's, that's, the,
1: that's that's unusual for Rick and Morty because I'm usually all in. Hmm.
0: You son of a bitch,
1: Dan Harmon, you son <laughs> of a bitch. I'm all in. Right. I think that like that's just a verbal equivalent of watching like the LED readout of like you know the missile command style nuking of North and South uh, or North American and, and all of Europe, um, but. You know, it's uh, it, it didn't hit you. How did the... Uh, the one thing I predicted you'd get a grim laugh at, at is Rick incorporating what he understands of three David Lynch... P- movie plots to just that, make his friends shut line. up about it because yeah, like that's you in my notes yeah. that's you you fucking hate david lynch yeah
0: me me and dan could
1: bond over that if i ever talked <laughs> with him so uh, he, david lynch huh yeah yep. <laughs> this is also something he's talking about in a Harmon town or two like he has like this borderline contempt for a lot of netflix projects that he describes as like take a episode of television and just explode it to 10 episodes he's like how hmm. How is belaboring the point, and you know how is that innovative? You know, like like, and he's got a fair point because like you know I've watched a little bit of the old Star, not the old Star Trek, but the Next Generation, which is now old Star Trek, Mm -hmm. and like they do like there's there's things where like you know this conventional three act Star Trek plot where like you know, uh, they they live a whole fucking season of Netflix television in a single 45 minute episode, you know, you got this crazy betrayal, you got these alternate, I, I, I identities and you know, you don't wait for three or four episodes to realize that Troy has been hijacked by some alien. You wait for the first commercial break. And, but on the other hand, I fucking love the long form, you know, new nouveau novella kind of (laughs) thing that Netflix has got going and encouraging too. Well, look, you can't, you can't put out 250 shows a year. Uh huh. If you're not going to stretch out a plot a little bit, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Can't
0: come up with truly innovative things at that pace. Forever. Well,
1: I mean, if you're used to breaking stories at that bra- breakneck pace, like you know, first seasons of right. Community were 24, 25 episodes, and he's trying to do it. You know, it's like I, I, I get kind of like, oh well, take one of those episodes and just make a fucking meal out of it, and you mm-hmm. know, go out for martinis early every day, I guess. <laughs> Uh, Do you want to talk about... Because I, I thought there were some solid heist gags that they did. Like, I already talked about the anti booby suits, and I love the whole, like, oh, that's a total waste of snakes. And mm-hmm. something I've often wondered about is, like, why do you design a tomb to collapse... Like, to destroy itself when someone trespasses upon it? Like, I understand that, like, arrows and maybe a snake dispenser or something, that's something, like, when the civilization was still going yeah. that people could maintain but like a self-destruct thing, where it's like, well, you know, uh, just just take everything, just just destroy everything. It's just gone. Uh, that's what what the fuck. Well, it's usually around the
0: critical component of the tomb, right? Which is like the the jewel or the corpse mm-hmm. or whatever's at the center that Indiana mm-hmm. Jones is trying to grab. Yeah, uh, the idol. So so once that key piece of the tomb is gone, what do you need the tomb for, right? The tomb's there to protect and preserve the the corpse. But what if of the like leader, you're you're or... you're
1: fighting a desperate running battle into the tomb, uh, you've, tomb raider versus the rightful guardians of the tomb? I'm just trying to think of uh. this. What in the context of like the civilization currently being a thriving, vital thing enough to, to have all this? Like, what does it make sense that like you know like like imagine if uh you got to the Oval Office and the White House exploded, <laughs> like you know like, well what if the Secret Service get into and like they 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 subdue the guy right on the Resolute desk and the fucking place explodes like uh-huh. like you know I don't know I don't know it'd be one thing if like the thing blew up if you took it outside of the building or something but like yeah taking a whole feels like what do you do if uh, you subdue the guy like a uh, three feet from the throne room and they've stepped on the wrong tile and like, shit, we're all going to die. Yeah. Or they grab the idol and like. Because if you're that worried about you it. take him down after. Like, why not just trigger the whole. Why build the elaborate thing that has a broad, well-lit lanes leading right to the heart? Like, yeah, you got booby traps and shit. But if you don't want people to just, just bury it, just bury it a half mile deep. No yep. one will find it put some signs up at least that says, make sure you really
0: want this idol because if you take it, the whole thing's gone. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be
1: an effective deterrent. Like, you know, cause it's
0: only after the fact that, you know, there was a, a self-destruct mechanism. How right? many
1: car thieves would steal cars? If there was a 99% chance, a car would explode yeah. five seconds after you unlock it. Right. It would... And how many car thieves wouldn't steal that car if they knew
0: there was a possibility of it? Like exactly. if you told
1: them about the possibility
0: before they did
1: it exactly, as they were about to do it. But that one percent chance. Imagine the skyrocketed at black market rates oh, again. Yeah. So it's still, you Toiletra know, Toyota sells
0: two hundred grand. On oh the black yeah,
1: market. oh yeah. The airbags <laughs> fifty grand a piece, man. It's <laughs> right. worth the risk of exploding. Uh, uh, and also the 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 joke about Miles Knightley. Sixty percent of him is about putting a crew together, and forty percent reveal that the heist has already happened. I mean, mm-hmm. Soderbergh. I don't know. That did he feel his ears burning because that's. the the plot of all these things like it's so formulaic but i i like the formula yeah
0: i mean you got to build you got to build fun around that formula Mm -hmm. and i feel like the most successful heist movies do that
1: and like how streamlined like the the character building was like you know it's like this guy's name was glar and i think he's like well now i'm glear and i play piano and the guy's like hey it's time for you to play piano and because that's the thing like you know michael clark duncan's like i don't do that anymore i'm uh Mm -hmm. I'm uh, running a popsicle stand with my daughter and his massive Michael Clark Duncan hands can't, like, dispense the Dixie cups and <laughs> someone asks him to make exact change and he's like, fuck this! And, yeah. like, I, I just it's love back that. to his old ways. Yeah, like, what's that... I, I, that stuff was super fucking uh, hilarious. Trucula, I mean... Mm-hmm. I love Trucula. I don't know why. I love everything about his design. <laughs> okay. Uh Trucula's good. Like they they had to come up with so many great designs that I feel like they they slummed a little bit on this uh main guy, Miles Knightley, who's just Freddie Mercury with Justin Thoreau's voice. Okay.
0: Yeah. I he mean gets torn to pieces immediately too. Yeah,
1: there's there's that too. So maybe it's like, well, we're not gonna spend too much time on a guy. But like you could say the same thing about Trucula who, again, they just or love the vindicators.
0: It. I felt like there was so much thought put into who the vindicators yeah, were. Yeah,
1: all of them had like you know little, little little thing for Rick to say about them, and something that honored the source material. But yeah, the... but I guess this
0: episode really revolves more around uh, Rick's battle with this bot in some mm. ways, um, eh, which is a battle with himself. Yeah, in, in some ways too. Which is a secret battle against showing Morty how stupid the thing that he wants to do right. is. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. So maybe they justified it that way. Like, let's not think too much about this because it's not really about nightly. Uh, also, there's some some convention uh, culture criticism here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or just like, oh, fucking course he has a convention because uh-huh. everything has a convention now.
1: Right. Heist gone. Yeah. And, you know, Dan's been to a lot of cons, a lot of mm-hmm. uh, comic cons, a lot of panels for community, especially now Rick and Morty. Holy shit, he's probably doing the the con circuit a lot. As, uh, as, a, as a
0: fan of things yeah. and a convention goer, how do you feel about the proliferation of conventions for every property imaginable?
1: It's funny because I really liked going to conventions mm-hmm. and... Then I got this job where we started getting invited to them all the time. And it did that thing where it now, instead of being a thing that I get to do every once in a while to celebrate my fandom with other people, it became a job. Yeah. And like, I would have to do 40, 50, 60 hours of work be- to, to earn my spot on a panel or th- two or three panels and Oh God, what am I going to do? And when is that? And yeah. So now it's like, I think if I got a couple of years, so if I went to a con, like, I've, I've been wanting to go to PAX uh, West again. Mm-hmm. Take Cecily for the first time. And I think I'd enjoy that because, like, I wouldn't have anything to do there. Like, I wouldn't have, you know, I, I wouldn't be there, like, covering it as a professional. But, like, right. a lot of these fan cons and stuff, it's like, yeah, like, I think I can't see them as anything but, like, work and stress at this point.
0: Yeah, it's it's a little bit of that. But, I mean, even for me, it's like they're all kind of the same mm. to a point like yeah. they 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 especially now a little bit but nowadays yeah it's like okay you're gonna have your panels with the
1: actors and they are gonna be asking get, the same questions yeah. and you're gonna have a merch you're gonna get section. a you're gonna get a very basic experience based on buying things unless you pay extra money and then you will get access to celebrities which and, i don't give a shit about like, right right yeah i mean it, they they've
0: all kind of like the the There's so many cons now, and they're all the same. I feel like I've been to
1: all of them after having been to a couple of them. Yeah, and there's also kind of like maybe... Because I've been on both sides of this where it's like you don't have the clout uh, or the connection to pull down a media pass or a professional pass, but you also want to get into sold out con, so like can you so can you, you, put you up string to the website yeah can you string together enough yeah. uh twitter followers and right. you know bullshit with enough stats to make it look like you get it? and then mm-hmm. i've also been you know on, like i said on that but i thought there was something where like rick's trying to pass for professionals like well where's your crew yeah you know i was like well here's morty he's this and then my buttholes at demolition x i that i thought that was kind <laughs> of funny <laughs>
0: It was. There were some good jokes.
1: And then hi- heisting the whole like heist to have them heist the heist con, like steal yeah. every square foot of it. That was a pretty funny, uh, I thought, pretty funny prank. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, there's also, okay, before we get to some plow, I want to talk about characters again. What do we think of Elon Musk? Elon Tusk? Elon Tusk. Uh, it's what? What are they trying to do with Elon Tusk in this episode? I think Rick... I think the the actual answer is Dan Harmon just really fucking loves Tesla's and yes. wanted to meet Elon Musk.
0: I'm pretty so, sure that's
1: it. And Elon Musk wouldn't I mean would not say no to this gig. there, like, there was
0: no great tie-in. There was no real reason no. for
1: Elon Tusk to be there. He's just in my a mind. random voice celebrity.
0: Yeah, which kind of sucks cuz I always feel like when they had random voice celebrities before they would uh-huh. write a part in there to really integrate them into the episode. Like uh-huh. uh you look at fucking Susan Sarandon when she was on, she had a lot to do. Professional actor, yes. Professional actor. I know where you're going with this. Do,
1: do, do you? Because we can, we can, we can lo- or, uh, go through some other like memorable, like you know, guest starring or guest yeah. voice appearances that all also are professional actors.
0: But okay, and we'll do that. I just wanted to make the point that. I don't think they closely tied Elon to this episode
1: enough and made him important enough to justify his presence. I think he had five minutes of dialogue. He got up in the booth and they're like, oh, Jesus Christ, this guy is limited <laughs> as fuck and bailed because you don't think his voice thing, performance was good. I've huh? seen interviews with like where he, you know, gets in front of thousands of people and delivers extemporaneous shit. And mm. I can't believe that he's so bad at portraying Elon Musk. Like, it's, he didn't do anything to sell these lines, man. He was in the headspace of Elon Tusk, and Tusk oh, is not a great orator. I see. It's from a life, he's like, you know, in real life, if i spent a lifetime of being bullied in South Africa right. over my animal tusks, then.
0: He's just too good an actor is the problem.
1: Yeah. It's to too a, method. Yeah. He's too method. He really crawled into Tusk, the Tusk <laughs> hole. No, you're absolutely
0: right. I think Elon Musk is not a great voice actor. Look, that's not what he was put on the planet to
1: do. But so. he's voice acting himself that's the thing where it's like can they yeah. can, could, could they get him out of the booth like okay but, Elon, but I want you to watch this by someone else I want you to watch this uh, you know uh, Tesla stockholder speech from 2015. do you see how naturally are he just made a joke he kind of laughed mm-hmm. uh, I would argue he's not very natural even in those but okay really yeah hmm. I don't think he's a great stage presence. It's like it's like the Justin and Dan should have got him in the booth, got him excited talking about AI and then be like, "Now yeah. read your lines." There you go. Or something because like they you know, maybe it. the the professional stuff, but like I've seen him talking to like AI researchers on panels and stuff where he's having a natural back and forth yeah. and mm-hmm. I guess that's the part of like a person is not trained is to get them to act natural enough to where you can get a decent performance, but it's rough. It's rough. Yeah.
0: When you're performing, it it feels like a different thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh but yeah, he's he's not great.
0: He's not uh, great in this.
1: Uh, I also really like the the execution of their random plan from Random Bot, like mm-hmm. just the stupidest shit that they <laughs> them scooting in on their butts. When Rick butts does it, was I thought, oh, really oh that's, funny. that's funny. But then when everybody they else they comes do in doing it, it's it slowly, like and, and <laughs> yeah. then you're having all these heist trope, like are all the whole teams confronting the mastermind, and uh-huh. then he does the Ed Norton, like, oh, good job, guys, whatever. It's yeah. It's it, it's pretty good.
0: Push ups on the side of a building.
1: Yeah. Yeah. On a roof. After you know, and the the one that was the, the one that I didn't or the one I thought was dumb and I feel like I'm picking on Elon, but you know what? He's got a lot of money mm-hmm. and, and hair. He doesn't give a shit. Spaceships. Uh his one felt like it was just opposite day. It's like, Oh, I got a turkey dinner, I'm putting it in the fridge and I'm taking a bunch of random things and putting in the oven. Like that didn't feel random. It felt like opposite. Where everything else mm. felt truly like, what the fuck? Yeah. Mr. Poopy Butthole is a a skilled martial artist. No, if he wasn't before, he is now. Uh, He's been tested. It it, felt—it's funny because you remember we watched uh, the Karate Kid, and Jackie Chan just legitimately beat the 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 shit out of like 13 and 14 year old kids in that movie. I felt a little bit like that. Like Mr. Poopy Butthole, yeah, you got to defend yourself, but like you're snapping necks and ripping (laughs) spleens, man. Well, I mean that's yeah, and it it plays. Kids want to learn about Maya Angelou. You got to. He was going to teach him. He yeah. swears
0: he was going to teach him. Yeah. The, they
1: started it. It's the space he wanted to explore. And, and I love the tag. The
0: tag on this episode is like, it it, it recontextualizes that whole scene. And, and, and Rick's motivations are so impure here. It's like Rick just wants to go on his fucking adventures and he ends Mr. Poopy Butthole's beloved career in order to do it. He has these kids attack him, all as a test that's part of this random plan that he's pre-planned. Like, all of this is just a ruse to get Morty back on track. Mr. Poopy Butthole's career goes up in flames. It's not
1: cool. Well, you think about, like, how he went and got, like, these guys, they made it clear that there wasn't a lot of employment for these types of people. Uh But they found some kind of measure of happiness, and, you know, it's maybe not much, but it's what they were doing. And he pulls them out just to get into the con, yep so like but (laughs) then like it's one more level removed of that 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 was all just to serve morty being disillusioned with the idea of writing a heist because it's just right you know you know as a as a writer you're god you can make them do whatever you want so you make these guys fall into the then you say well that was all part of my plot and that was all part of my plot and you can make all the connections work and I, Mm -hmm. i don't know maybe now i hate heist movies it'll be interesting to see because like i was i was thinking this recently there was something that was um an episode of television that was essentially a heist it was like a mr robot yeah that's what it is mr robot heist uh, episode yep. they do that every once in a while and i was thinking as i was watching it and you know mr robot's heist are kind of novel in that they don't usually explain it you kind of have to figure it out as you go along but like mm-hmm. how many oceans 11 Uh, Italian job types of movies, uh, fast and furious where the guy has the wireframe thing that they're talking about the exhaust shafts and mission. How many of those can you watch before it's like, okay, I'm done. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's like, this is like a dragon ball Z episode. I know exactly what's going to happen. The second Goku starts grunting and sweating. Like it's, it's uh, now the team. I I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's ruined the heist episode, the heist uh, movie for me.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I Think there's a certain fatigue you get with these types of Rick, you Son films. of a bitch,
1: I'm out. I'm out on heist movies now. <laughs> yeah, Dan, you son of a bitch. Dan, you son of a bitch. Do you want to talk about the Netflix plot a little bit more? Um Okay, sure. Because like I, I think we covered most of it, but there's also some you know, I've listened to enough Harmon that like uh I know what it sounds like pitch meetings are like and like some pitch meetings are good and some pitch meetings are bad and Mm. this idea that like netflix is so desperate for that they'll take because did you happen to freeze frame on morty's uh script idea no it's just it's just the worst kind of like exactly what rick is talking about reveal and counter reveal and you know the dialogue was shitty and and like how the guy pauses morty when he trails off is like kid if you're you're trailing off because you think you're bombing jesus christ this is this is fucking amazing uh i love it it's such a great pitch and uh i i i don't know there's uh there's not especially pointed criticism there of the netflix model yeah and you know as as they're spent did that just tell i think they spent four billion dollars on q4 content for 2014 2019 rather like yeah there's not that much quality in the world no,
0: I mean it's unsustainable. You're
1: but... not pulling diamonds out. You're pulling some pretty rough ore uh-huh. to get that much content in front of people. It's just insane. You would think so. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a good thing our job's to cover it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the stinger, one of the longest stingers, but also it one is. of the more like what the fuck kind of. It was just them, like what it. What are they going for? Because I've I've seen you know uh, the the workaholics. I've seen this mm-hmm. on uh, Flight of the Navigator. Uh, what are they trying to evoke with these guys sitting on the roof drinking beers? I mean, I think it's exactly that. Uh, what is that? Those are two very two different things. That I've seen it on
0: The Expanse. <laughs> I've seen it on... On roofs? Yeah, Alvarez Uh Oh, yeah, Alvars yeah, yeah. Sarala, yeah, yeah, yeah. With her, with her kid. With kid I forgot yep. about
1: that. You're right. It's a little uh, bit of a, a Shawshank I, Redemption. I mean, it's
0: self-reflection, right? I mean, it's 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 self reflection on either something you just experienced
1: or or something you just did. Is this supposed to be like after the Fast and Furious, where you know they always end on like Vin having Mm. the family over for coronas and barbecue? Like this is like after the scene where everyone's toasting and at the table, and like two or three hours have passed, and like maybe some you know. Uh, Ty Diggs has taken off and Ludacris has, have, has made an excuse to leave and just two or three people left and they're up on the yeah. roof talking about family and life and this happens. Makes you wonder how the whole crew could be
0: family if the rest of them, like some of them are having the family conversation and some of them are just off.
1: They're gone. They <laughs> yeah. took off
0: because this really didn't mean that much to me. I'm out of here. Uh-huh, uh-huh. See you guys. Oh God,
1: here comes... uh <laughs> What's his character's name, Vin... Uh, Vin Diesel Dom yeah. Dom oh shit here comes Dom with the family talk time and we're out of coronas I gotta go guys <laughs> gotta go oh I'm too drunk to drive I'll call Lyft I'll be okay Dom right
0: Except, it's incredibly badass, it stars an absolute icon of the genre, we're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be
2: an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was, and those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie themed drinks at the theater's full bar, Then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, Friday,
0: Friday, June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati.
2: Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest six page at baldmove.com slash live, live,
1: We have a little bit of feedback this week. You can send feedback to Rick and Morty at baldmove.com. First up, we got Kyle. Kyle got the impression that the... the wait, let me start over. This was one for last episode about the Shy Pooper, uh, the old man in the seats. Uh, He says, I got the impression that a lot of this was simple sleight of hand, like when he moved Tony from the moment of being sat on by Giant Rick to jumping into the globulin sack heaven. We've seen him use this technique before, like the snake transformation gun or stepping into a new, more habitable universe, for example. Whether I see the sleight of hand on screen or just have to deduce it, I'm starting to see Rick as less as a god and more of a trickster or magician. It makes him seem less impressive if only a bit at a time. The more I see sneaky tricks, hmm. um, I don't know because like so I'm I'm I think what Kyle's saying is that not that Rick had this giant robot suit, but maybe this was all a simulation or like it's impossible to know when the you know red uh, you know ziplock bag experience began. But like, I feel like it's not. You're never supposed to understand that Rick can't turn a person into a snake with a gun. It's more of like he doesn't really care to, and if he can cut mm. corners, he for damn sure will. Yeah, like every once in a while he gets he sweats the math, like he, when he's trying to break down how his grandkids are equally pains in his asses, or and he's trying to make a surface <laughs> true level. But a yeah. lot of times he's just half assing through life because he's fucking drunk and he's hungover, and and he's
0: so smart he doesn't have to bother most of the time
1: yeah it's like remember that, that that vindicators episode there's like a million different ways you could have taken out a gun turret right yeah you know he just happened to use the one where it made like these self-replicating robots that did you saw the episode mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know if it's uh if if his technology is indistinguishable from magic and he can get away with fooling the entire galaxy then it's he's kind of magical god still i think uh, secondly Kyle says he, as he feels more alienated From his family having to ask everyone For permission and taking a seat even below Jerry in the family hierarchy Makes sense to me that he would not be interested in Making friends with someone who could truly connect with him On an emotional level he's talking about The fellow shy pooper here mm-hmm. after His last date with unity the way the therapist rub Pickle Rick's face right in uh, It and the loving family dynamic Of the monstrous wasp family he's Left traumatized embarrassed and running along With his tail between his legs I see his inability to connect, starting to catch up with them. Uh, Is this the first solo Rick adventure we've seen? I think so. sounds right. I mean,
0: Unity stuff comes close.
1: But he brought his grandkids to that, but they just kind of became an unexpected, uh, awkward bystander to the sexcapades going on. Right, right. And they ended up sort of
0: on their own, but they were involved. Yeah, I think this might be the first solo Rick adventure.
1: His actions had absolutely zero impact on the rest of the story in the episode. Yeah, I think you, you might be onto something there. Um, we've talked about how... I think this show could probably get away with a lot of different uh, permutations of a solo episode, except for maybe Jerry. Uh, I don't know if I give a shit about seeing a Jerry solo episode.
0: Uh, until I see
1: it. Until I see, I see grade, it, gold it's solid yeah. gold, yeah.
0: It also makes me wonder, like, since his solo adventure is so inconsequential, is the show trying to tell us something about who we should be focused on? Mm -hmm. Should we be focused on the rest of the family and that's what actually matters, as opposed to the person we think is the protagonist
1: of the series? Mm -hmm. Uh, Could be, could Mm. be. Um, Moving on to Rich, who says, this new episode is written by Katie Delaney, who may have been previously best known for the following tweet. And he uh, links a, a Twitter thread, which I will also link in the show notes where, okay, so you know, the rappers and a lot of the preambles of their rap songs, they will make, give audible cues to the producer and say things like turn up my bass or, yeah. uh, you know, is this, is this mic on or uh, like, you know, Lil Wayne's famous for sparking the bull, <sighs> taking a hit and be like, yo, Money. Full uh. oh, and before he starts off, like she did a whole bunch of those where she pretends to be a producer. So like Jay Z's like, "Yo, Guru, can you turn my shit up?" And she's like, "It's up." She's like pantomiming, like it's up, it's turned up. Your mic's on, and, like doing retort the rhetorical answer. So yeah, check it out if that sounds funny. Uh, Rich continues. I first heard of her when she was a guest on the Awesome Mortal podcast with Ben Meckler. She's super funny, and I hope you son of a bitch, I'm in becomes a buzz phrase for lots of folks besides me. Yeah, no, that's. Mm-hmm. That's good. And I, I, I'm going to do it in truck. Uh, was it Trucula? Yeah, I'm going to do it in Trucula accent the entire time. Have there been other episodes of that? a B plot? Yeah, I think so. In fact, we I think there was a few of them in in season three. What were the ones we were thinking about? Um, um, Morty's Mind Blowers. Yeah, definitely Morty's Mind Blowers. Like even when summer comes
0: in at the end, it's still. Also, I think the season three closer Rick and Morty date.
1: Yeah, you're right. I think that was all.
0: Rick and the President.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not a B plot when the camera just goes to the president because it's still right. like, you know, there's no other action, there's no other plot going forward. I mm-hmm. maybe there's a tiny bit of a vestigial B plot when Morty uh tries to hide the family from Rick because he thinks Rick's going to hunt his mom down like like what he feared Morty would become in this episode. That's another <laughs> Yeah. big funny gag that we didn't talk about. Um but shit, if we Yeah, a lot of stuff from the
0: the intro. Or, or the preview rather uh, for the season is in this episode yeah well. yeah like that thing was in it um the coat do the rip off doctor
1: strange <laughs> that was in the preview so that's so funny because i don't know if you knew this but uh, i guess uh dan Harmon got called in to do some like script punch-up on on yeah. D- doctor strange and I, none I think, of which they used yeah and they might have used like one or two jokes um mm-hmm. but like you know he didn't he didn't do a, a lot of heavy lifting on that but now that you mention it uh i would love to see dan do a marvel movie I think he'd be really good at like a like especially some of the more sarcastic ones like Doctor Strange or yeah. Ant he do he'd crush Ant-Man I think. Yeah,
0: that would be kind of cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, get to get get Harmon and Schraub together to do Monster Ant. Monster Ant. <laughs> <laughs> uh so that is the feedback we have this week. You can send us more at Rick and Morty at baldmove.com or again, you can talk about each episode with your fellow fans on our forums forums We'll be back next week for another one.
0: Pickle Me This is distributed by Bald Move, in association with Starburns Audio. It's produced by Jason Smith and Scott Porch from Starburns, and myself, Menaeron, from Bald Move. All music featured on this podcast is from the Rick and Morty soundtrack, available from Sub Pop Records. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To discover the many other great shows we do, please check out baldmove.com and starburns.audio. If you appreciate what we do and want to directly support us, consider joining our club at club.baldmove.com to get access to exclusive bonus audio and video features. Finally, you can follow us on your favorite social media at baldmove. See you next time.